Well, I don't think you get any better at social distancing than podcasting. <laughs> You're keeping people at six foot, but in reality, it's right in your ear. Right in your ears. And as a listener of podcasts, you are also helping flatten the curve. Go you. By listening to us and doing nothing else, you are saving the world. We are so proud of you. So, so very proud. Mom and dad, we just, we just, you're working so hard, Ch saving the world. Oh, Johnny child, I'm so proud. We couldn't be more impressed with your ability to do nothing. Thank you. Keep it up. Stay indoors. Never leave. <laughs> Never, ever, ever leave. Have we been training our entire lives for this very moment? Has all of our media on our shelves and content in our game systems, is this what our finest hour looks like? Enter Kelly Clarkson. I've been waiting my whole life for a moment like this. I am going to miss, oh, what will I miss most? Uh, I think what I will miss most is being able to say, you know what? I'm not cooking tonight. Let's go out. I think I'm going to miss that most of all. I'm going to miss you most of all, Scarecrow. But I am glad that this self-imposed quarantine that you and I are on at the moment of recording this, entirely possible by the time this is posted, that we are on official lockdown, hide your kids, hide your wives sort of thing. <laughs> but right Coronavirus now, is out here getting everybody. Right now, we're going to just sit in our house. We're going to... Tighten up our screws. Aaron, you okay over there, hon? I am so sorry, folks. We are recording on brand new equipment, or rather, like, new to us, um, and I am still adjusting my... Tell you what, let's remain silent. You adjust it, and then we're going to keep going. There we go. Is this what ASMR is? Uh, just Stop about. touching it. Just about. <laughs> like a kid. Don't touch it, but I want to. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Aaron, what are you looking forward to most in this quarantine? Um, being able to either play a lot of video games or getting a, being able to actually getting some more knitting done. That's right. It's been a while since you've had time, I think, to knit. I think this is the time. Tis the time. Tis the time. I'm going to get into painting miniatures, and the first miniature I'm going to paint is a giant dragon because I don't know how to take things in baby steps. Go ham or go home. <laughs> go ham or go home. It's an ice dragon. I have high hopes for this. You got ah, This is how much I'm missing being able to go out and do things. Like things that are still months out are getting postponed and are just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I think that this is going to be going for a while, so I'm really glad that I get to be stuck inside with you. I'm very glad I get to be stuck inside with you, Elizabeth. Aaron. And we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. It stumbled a little bit, but it worked. That's okay. We stumbled because it's, we're in unfamiliar territory. Not only are we in quarantine, but we're in our brand new recording space, which is just ironic and coincidental and not having anything to do with the other. But we are <laughs> up in the library. The library. The yes. library. The very first room that ever got fixed in our house because I insisted. <laughs> and it's cozy and close. And we have arms now that can follow us around, which is what all that <laughs> was earlier as Aaron tries to adjust. <laughs> Stop it. That's unlistenable. <laughs> Not exactly. If you want, you can follow us on Facebook. Oh, Aaron. I, that was completely on accident. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you listen towards the end of this episode, we are going to be talking about a new project that we had been considering starting and now can think of no better time to start it than here in the midst of quarantine. Right here. We're actually getting a bit unconventional today. We don't often put the cart before the horse. We don't often judge books by their covers. But ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what we are doing today. No, you did not misread. No, you did not miss it. This movie is not coming out for, at the moment, another two months. 
but we are ready to definitively call some stuff out. Yeah, um, if you're a Patreon of ours, uh, you would know that we have done some trailer reactions um, to movies that we actually did not watch or did watch and stuff like that. We were lucky enough to go see Onward, and we got to see this trailer without realizing it was coming in the theater. So when you look at the Patreon, we actually seem pretty, you know, intelligent and reserved and thoughtful. Unlike in the theater, we were the only two people there. And Aaron did scream at the theater screen many, many times. A lot of screaming. Yeah, it's really good that I uh, we were the only two to see this trailer. Uh, it wasn't Onward that we watched. We were the only two in the theater uh, for that movie. It was Sonic. Sonic. It was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, we managed to somehow go see Onward and Sonic before this all went down and all the theaters closed up shop. Uh, however, Onward is coming out on digital in a couple of weeks so we actually will be able to talk about that without spoiling for people who just did not have a chance to go see it yet yeah um i mean quick review go see it yeah it was good but we're not it's it's too easy to talk about things we like let's talk about (laughs) things we hate so um artemis fowl um we are gonna try to break it up because aaron is like the book aficionado on this one. For once, Aaron knows more than I. So he is going to like give us a beat-by-beat, blow-by-blow of this trailer. And then I have done much research on the movie itself, trying to answer some of these questions that kept popping up in our heads, like why and how. I still don't understand what the thought process behind some of these choices are. And um, I'll probably forget half of this trailer because I'm focusing my rage on some of this maybe more minute details um but i will try to go beat by beat uh so a quick introduction into artemis fowl um it is a a mix between fantasy and sci-fi um where it the fantasy world actually kept evolving at the same time as ours so they actually have um you know uh technology similar to ours if not advanced than ours um they will uh they actually have like jetpacks and um telephones touchpads stuff like that holograms even um and there is a uh elite um militia if you will called the lep lep recon unit um and one of the main characters holly short is a uh pretty outstanding member of that um and the uh Every, and she is a fairy, and in the you know the mythical realm, you have to uh, if you have if you are a magic user, you have to perform a ritual every so often. And she got to juice the batteries, recharge exactly. And, and she uh, saves a whole town of people from a troll, and because of her hubris, not healing up before that, has to go perform the ritual alone and unaided. And who should be there waiting for her? But this 12-year-old boy named Artemis Fowl, criminal genius mastermind, who has figured out more than any other human fairy language, uh, their cultures and customs, and has concocted a master plan to rise his family back up out of poverty and back into the, the wealth they so deserve. They were never in poverty, but they were like used to like a life of like extreme luxury. Um with you know still doing business and stuff like that uh but his dad had been kidnapped or out on business for years now and their their fortune was starting to dwindle and his mom actually went crazy and uh his twin brothers are younger than him they were uh babies at the start of the story so it's one of those things where the um he found this as kind of a to try to uh it uh, meets uh, ends to meet and ends to sorry a means to an end thank you um he also wanted to prove that he was better than these people as well um and to show kind of make a mark on this new world uh and he concocts his huge plan to kidnap a fairy because uh he actually manages to get what's called the the fairy bible which details everything that fairies have to do and take part of in all of this and all that his plan is pretty simple in that he doesn't want magic he literally just wants the gold 
he knows that fairies have gold, and he knows that they would never part with it unless he managed to get a hostage negotiation unless. going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, the and writer like- Ian Colfer describes it as diehard with fairies, and I think that's a pretty apt descriptor. Yeah, that is that is a a, a very. But the thing is, is the main character is Hans Gruber, and you root for Hans Gruber if you didn't already. Yeah, Artemis is the villain. To be quite honest, like he is, he's, he's, he's a, um, he's not a villain per se. He is a, he's more like a, a Deadpool. He's an anti-hero. I think he goes from villain to anti-hero within the first book. Yeah. Within the oh, course yeah. of that. He doesn't start out as anything good. And by the end of it, learns to grow some semblance of a conscience, which continues to grow and elaborate as the series progresses. Exactly. I, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. And with, um, with growing uh throughout the you know seven eight nine books that he that this series entails uh he becomes much more than just oh i want to be a mastermind it's he wants to help people and help the world so but it's important that you start off with that core of that cold and calculating 12 year old so let's start trailer opens for some reason Mulch Diggums is our narrator? And Mulch Diggums is a thief. Mulch Diggums isn't a gentleman thief, but he's a thief. And he's kind of, he's almost a Cockney, um, Irish, kind of like, doesn't get in a, he, he's the one that avoids fights. He's like, I'm not going to fight you. He's a true rogue. You. Yeah, exactly. He is a true rogue. He is um, lawful. You know, he's not lawful. He's, he's almost true neutral or... Uh, He's a, he does what's Lawful best neutral. for him. He actually gives up his magic in the book to be able to go and thieve because yeah. fairies can't enter houses without being invited. They have all these rules and things they have to abide by. He's like, nah, I don't need magic. I'll just do this my own way. Yeah, he has like some really cool skills that get used a lot later on. And he's, he's actually a really cool character that gets turned into like this almost... A mix between Sirius Black and um, the headmaster from uh, Durmstrang. Like, that's the impression I'm getting right now. They call him a, a big dwarf? A uh, like a half-human, half-dwarf, which is 100% false. Yeah, humans... He is, they... uh, unless there's some revelation later on in the books that I don't remember... I um, and I'm gonna disagree because I think they just didn't want to use the CGI on him to shrink him down. I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, and I don't understand that. Now, Josh Gad, as this is not a terrible choice, but the way they're portraying this character is terrible. Like that is what I don't agree with because Mulch Diggums is a fun character, and they're portraying him as this like gruff kind of. Uh, been booted out of jail or like been pulled out of jail kind of thing no he's like always on the run from the law because he's a thief and he has like 101 enemies and kind of thing like why mm-hmm. okay the trailer spends a inordinate amount of time talking about Artemis Fowl's father who is almost a footnote in the first book in that his disappearance is the reason that Artemis feels he has to be the head of the household, by which he means the head of this criminal empire. He takes it on. It's his job now. But his father, he, is, uh, he assumes, the rule assumes that Artemis Fowl Sr. is dead. And Artemis is like, no, I'm pretty sure he's alive, but he can't spend, he can't keep spending all the family money on just mounting failed expedition after failed expedition. So he's like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to have to make more money if I actually want to find him. So I'll just steal from magic folk now that's what i gotta do and it's and that's a big thing he's like he's one of the only few people that believe that his father is still alive oh yeah it's very important to him that no one else knows and he is certain certain that his father would not be dead and if you continue reading even the very next book it's like oh well he was right (laughs) and it's it it astounds me that in the first minute of this trailer it's saying oh because in the book, and, and you're going to hear this a lot during this podcast, FYI. Uh, in the book, they actually have Artemis is the one who finds out about the fairies. He's the one that teaches anyone and everyone else about the fairies. He's the only one who knows. He tricks a fairy who uh, 
pretty much is just drunk out of her mind in a back alley and she some... got she got like kicked out of the the mythical she got kicked yeah. out of the world he trades like rice wine to her to get this book and she's like it doesn't matter you won't be able to translate it anyway but he has figured out where no one else has how to translate this language and uses that to learn all about fairies and set his plan into motion i have bad news for you that figure in the white flowing robe floating in air in front of them that's the decrepit old snaggled tooth fairy in the alleyway that they find and why take is the she book floating from. in the air? I don't know. That makes no sense. Don't know. Anyways, um, so the the trailer seems to suggest that no, his father is known about the fairies all along and is the one stealing from the fairies. Not even that. The trailer seems to suggest that his father knew about the fairies and was working with them for the good of humanity and then a fellow foul of one rogue fairy who took he took something from him and now they want it back. Because then we get the introduction of Holly Short, who is supposed to be Artemis's equal in that she has to use her wits and cunning to escape her scenario and she's like, I'm your friend. Your dad and I work together. I'm here to help you out of this pickle. Which is just so sad for the character of Holly Short. Holly Short does not deserve this kind of treatment. Holly Short is a kick-ass, no-nonsense kind of character. And I swear to God they have dumbed this character down to... They've boiled it down to, I'm a sprite! (laughs) No, she hates hates those kind of characters. She hates... That shit. She de- uh, they de-aged her, too. They picked an actress who is more in age with Artemis Fowl, so they'd be more like a team-up, which really worries me. There Now, I will say, in later books, there's a little bit of a romance. A little bit, but Holly but like Short she even, is... Like, even a Holly Short's like, I don't... This isn't right. Holly Short is, like, ancient. Yeah, like she's, yeah, she's, like, three, four hundred years old. She's vampire old. It would be very weird. Yeah, when, when you have, like, internals like this and, and humans... It's always weird. It doesn't matter what ages they they humans can be a hundred and the other people can be six hundred. It's always weird. It's never right, or it's never not weird. How about that? <laughs> um, it, it's just you know whenever the the damn dialogue isn't like ask me the question. Uh, what age are you? Seventeen. How long have you been seventeen? You gonna finish that? No. A while. Oh, a while. Okay, and now the quote is finished. And now the reference makes sense. It didn't before. (laughs) I I didn't know I had to keep going. (laughs) You had to. There was so much going in there. Anyways. You didn't uh, talk about sparkling. Um I am furious already with how they are treating Holly Short. Because Holly Short, the whole reason that she was in this because Holly Short is the one that is like she gets kidnapped and she tries to escape time and, and time out and is foiled time in and time out until near the very end. And I won't tell you how she ex- tries to escape because it's brilliant because that's uh, Ian Colfer and that's how good he writes in its in his story. And I cannot believe he allowed this to happen because his story is getting torn to shreds. Well, then it's important. I definitely tell you that he is 100% behind the changes that they are making for the movie, even so much that he's considering incorporating some of the changes that they make into the reprints of his books. Ian, no! Ian, no! Don't hurt me like this! Your books were great! You know what? Things have to change between adaptation and adaptation. This is not the same story! It doesn't have to be a fucking war every time. <laughs> oh my god. Ian, no. Ian, no. This strikes me as a good moment to switch to the sponsor dome. Are we actually going to do sponsors for this? Yes. I even... It's an episode. We have to. Okay. I'll look, I'll look it up. While uh, Aaron pulls up our uh, <laughs> our official sponsor for this episode, um, I'm actually going to talk to you about Etsy. Um, uh, probably a lot of you know about Etsy, but it's this really great site where local 
and international makers can create and sell their wares. Uh, if you've ever wanted something that's not found in a store, Etsy is usually the place that you can get it. Uh, I've followed and found so many different artists and artisans shopping on Etsy. Most of the birthday gifts that I get for Aaron are from Etsy <laughs> because he has very specific tastes. They cater and create so many different kinds of fandoms. Uh, for example, last year I found a woman who made punk patches for the Adventure Zone. And they were amazing. And you would never have found this in a store because no one sells the Adventure Zone merch, even though it's amazing and they all should. There's uh, just so many different and cool things. And it's really cool to have all these creators together. The reason why I'm talking about it is because even though it's a big company, it's probably one of the uh, it's it's more important now than ever, as so many people are losing their jobs and having to rely on that side hustle to become suddenly their main hustle. So if you have some of that good government cheese to burn because you just got whatever the thousand dollar check is in the mail, um, or you have uh, the ability to buy something and a reason to buy something coming up, perhaps for your fellow quarantined man who is stuck in uh, the house with you but still deserves a nice something, uh, I recommend heading over to Etsy and finding some really cool art or clothes or uh gosh Aaron what's like what's the funnest thing oh I know what it is we usually build all of our cosplays off of Etsy things like our leather gauntlets and belts and stuff like all sorts of stuff to create our cosplays yeah I was gonna say um Etsy has some really great cosplay items uh um, sometimes they can be a little um, more expensive than what you can say, say, on fine uh, Amazon or uh, even like Wish. But I consistently usually... found the quality of an Etsy product because it's one person or even a, a small group of dedicated individuals making it. There's Etsy. What's the other one that we like to shop from? Is it always Etsy? There's another one that we like to get from, I thought, where it's like you get the custom stuff. Or am I only thinking of Etsy? I think it's just Etsy. Well, if it's just Etsy, sometimes then... I find sellers who then I go to their website and check out what they have there too. Sometimes sellers have their own website that they also sell through. Yeah, um, like I like Amazon for a good chunk of stuff, but and and sometimes I've got to be a little bit more um, budget conscious. But if I can, I try to buy through Etsy for especially for cosplay stuff because it gets a little bit more of that authenticity for the uh, the overall costume. So. Um, but yeah, I, th there are some really nice things on there and plus you're supporting, uh, creators, especially in this time, uh, where we're trying to support everyone and, you know, we're out there trying to support our local people as much as possible and our local creators as much as possible. Those you know. good artists who can't go to cons anymore and who have to rely on their online sales. This is how most of them get that done. Uh, so check out Etsy if you haven't before, E-T-S-Y dot com. Aaron, tell us about our sponsor for today. Well, I'm not going to do the official one because I don't have it at That's the okay. moment. That's okay. We know it by heart by now, apparently. Certainly. I, I, you would think. Uh, but our uh, main sponsor is Audible. Um, you can get a 30-day trial membership uh, by going to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of that. Uh, but they have more than but just... But the link is correct. But the link is correct, at least. Um, and they have a lot more than just books. They have, you know, uh, some audio dramas. They have, uh, you know, talks and stuff like that. So if you're looking for more than just books, uh, this is a great thing. And especially when you're kind of stuck in the house, maybe you're like, well, it's finally a great time to clean out the spare room. Or, you know, I'm going to do projects in the garage. You, this might be a great time to get that 30-day trial membership so also if you run out of books on the shelf of books that you always meant to read but never I did i think we are ever it's going getting to have small that do you see this shelf right up to you that's the unread shelf and that is it that one that's it wow it's small it's a right? lot smaller than i anticipated yeah i've been reading really good this year so i only have about mm, 10 15 books left in the not haven't read section and then it's probably going to be that uh yeah audible for me <laughs> <laughs> Um, our recommendation, of course, is Artemis Fowl. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend reading the original one or listening to the original one before watching this monstrosity. My I can't favorite it. 
My favorite of the series was honestly the Eternity Code. What was your favorite? I honestly, I'm trying to remember the story from Eternity Code. I enjoyed all of them. The thing is, is my favorite book from the... Um, hmm, oh, you just from, go from Aon himself. Like. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to suggest... I tell you what, I'm going to tell you the Artemis Fowl one. And then I'll suggest one. I'll actually see if they have it on here. Um, yeah, Eternity Code was my favorite because it pitted both Artemis and the fairy world against another like business tycoon man, and against another man, which kind of cemented right. Artemis oh, on the I side. I remember of, that one. Yeah, I, I think that might be a, 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 no. It hmm. <laughs> can't remember what I. That's see, I'm, I always kind of jumble up some stories, but it's like the last one before like the bigger intrigue started settling in, kind of like Harry Potter. The first three were like could be mostly considered lighthearted and fun and then like bigger themes and things are like coming in on yeah. the edges of that. But the first one is Artemis Fowl, uh, which is narrated by Nathaniel Parker. There's they've actually got like three or four versions of at least the first book. I recommend Nathaniel Parker. I've actually listened to this particular version and he does a good job with the voices and everything like that. Um one of the things you'll see in the trailer is uh the Leader of the Leprechaun is um, Commander Root. Is Commander Root played by um, what's her face from Cats? Dame Judi Dench. Dame Judi Dench. The fact that you refer to Dame Judi Dench as the woman from Cats I remember. is hysterical. I, she's also M from James Bond. I, give me more respect than that. Um, I couldn't remember her name. I could remember her face, but unfortunately, that's where I remember from her. Remember her from at the right now. So, um. But she, uh, she does play the the leader, which in the book is a man, and in this one is, is a woman. I do not care about that change. I just hope she has that same kind of gruff, tough, with a little bit of a heart of gold nature, um, kind of that almost that stereotypical the police chief. Yeah, the eighties like give me your badge and your gun, you know that kind very of very much. Thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but th- I remember uh, Nathaniel Parker. There's a character which they have not shown in the trailer, so I'm not going to say anything else. But uh, he did, uh, it's kind of the Q-type character um, in the books. Yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about it because the trailer never did. Um, the, I remember he, the, his voice for him was pretty good. So You're right, Aaron. I haven't seen that in the cast listing at all for that particular character. I would that just, makes me worried. I would just want James McAvoy, honestly, because he did such a good job as uh, Mr. Tomness. See, Tom I think Ness. James McAvoy as um, the father would be much better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, hmm, I don't know, just James McAvoy in, in general. Just, just, just sprinkle him in everything. Yeah. But, um, or if you're looking, because again, Ian Colfer is my favorite, one of my favorite authors of all time. Uh, he tends to do uh, children's or young adult books. Um, he's got a couple that are a little older. He's got some that have been released in the last few years. Um, and he does some adult books. Uh, the one that we talked about earlier that, just got released. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to reading. He did one that was called uh, "Screwed and Plugged," um, which is a, a two part series. I don't know if they had any more after that. Um, I've enjoyed the first one. It had a little bit of that flair that he brings into his stories, where there's just a little bit of a twist at the end, um, similar to like um, R.L. Stein and everything. I it was okay. It wasn't my favorite. Um, the story just didn't flow as well as i thought it could have um i also was reading it during a trip and so i didn't have the like most consistent time but that usually isn't my problem uh but one of my favorite ones is either the wish list um or half moon investigations half moon investigations has a shit ton of wit um and the story is consistently good the character is like a noir character but he's a kid like he's a an elementary school kid and um, it teaches you about prejudice, uh, not to um, judge a book by its cover, um, to always, always follow the lead and to follow the lead to the end. And honestly, it's a really, really neat book, especially if, like your kids like to solve mysteries or like to read that kind of stuff as I as I did when I was a kid and everything. I highly recommend it. And um, it's narrated by Sean Patrick Riley, who sounds that name sounds super familiar, but. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. So I kind of want to re-listen to it myself. So what's that link again one more time? Aaron? That is uh, Married to the Idea, or sorry, uh, that is audibletrial.com slash Married to the Idea, and that's T-O, the idea. All right. 
I've got a few things to tell you about the movie. I... Okay. Uh, let's start with some good stuff. Uh, Ian Colfer is going to have a cameo in the movie. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, boy. That was I, nice. No, I'm like, my heart is hurt right now because he thinks that these changes are good. They're not good. Um, what I read in his interviews is that he really likes how they updated the technology because reading it today, the technology he felt had felt a little dated because most of the things that they had that was advanced on humanity, we have now. Okay, that's not important. The technology, the technology was cool, but the technology is like the technology in James Bond. It's a footnote. James Bond isn't beloved by people nowadays because... Oh, James Bond had a rocket car. It, yeah, he they they loved it because he had a rocket car. But that's not why they keep going back to James Bond. Just saying. Uh, they're going to film uh, primarily in Ireland, just like the book. Okay, that's really cool. I respect that. And it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, who is an, a fantastic director. Why is he fucking up this hard? I, I'm going to tell you right right now. It's the Schmizny Corporation. Uh, here's a couple things that I don't know what to make of that I thought you would find interesting. Okay. Uh, there is a new character, not from the books, named Beechwood Short, which suggests we might learn about Holly Short's family. Hmm. If it was handled, uh, uh, actually, face the mic. Let me actually turn it a little bit. If if it was in a different story where the characters were being handled correctly. I would be more interested. Like, th- like, say, on, on, in Kenneth Branagh's hands, like, who directed Thor, the first one, was more Shakespearean and all this and all that. Handled like that, or in, in that kind of capacity, that would be really cool. But when I see literal war happening in a book about, that's almost diehard, but for kids with fairies and technology... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not impressed. I know you like Kenneth Branagh a lot, but he also made the new Cinderella, which really kind of... Um, time out. What? I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I didn't know... Th- no. No, yes, he didn't. Yes, yes, No, he didn't. Yes, I'm he looking did. this up. No, uh You didn't believe me last time either. He made Disney's 2015 Cinderella. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Nuh-uh. Yes, he did. Nuh-uh. Don't you lie to me. Uh, okay, so, oh, he, he did direct Murder on the Orient Express, too, so that's cool. Yeah, baby, he was... Motherfucker! <laughs> oh, my God, he he directed Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit? <laughs> so weird. So many unknown movies in Kenneth Branagh's resume. Oh, man, he, God, Kenneth, Kenneth, no, Kenneth. He directed Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. Kenneth, no. No, Kenneth. That's... I mean, it was... So, was Cinderella... I never watched that one. So, the main problem that I personally had with Cinderella was that it felt like a... Disney saying we have to address the problem of not having our female characters given enough agency in their own movies. But in doing so, they kind of just made a cheap copy of Ever After... And Ever After was really good about playing all of the good feminism cards without it being ridiculous. And she had a real reason to stay, which was the servants. She didn't want to leave them behind to the cruelness of her stepmother. In this one, she just stays because she knows her father would have liked her to stay, even though he's being treated so cruelly. I'm sure he would have wanted her to leave. And she has a horse, and she can just go into town whenever she wants to. And Oh, yeah, because in the, the you give animated her, one, she never really had options to leave. By giving her more agency you kind of take away the whole, it was very important that she was able to leave and go to this ball because she had never been elsewhere and she had nothing else and she only had this. There's there other little nitpicky problems, but honestly, most of it can be boiled down to the fact that the actress cracked two ribs fitting into that corset that turned her waist into the size of a dime. Like, if you look at the pictures, she's the reason why Emma Watson was like, I'm not wearing a corset for Beauty and the Beast. You can't make me. And like, okay, fair enough. Jesus, okay. Well, my respect for Kenneth Branagh has lowered some. I'm sorry to have hurt you this way. You've hurt me. What do you remember about Trouble Kelp? Okay, so the name definitely sounds familiar. I can't remember anything, though. Like, I can't. Because the problem is, is there's so many characters that will pop up. No! Was he the one that, like, he's like a person who wants to... 
No, is he the one that is like a a commander or something like that, and like ends up fucking up the assault on the foul manor, mm-hmm. and so badly that he gets like super demoted. Mm-hmm. Also been gender swapped. Okay. Yeah, like I I mean, <laughs> okay. Here's the thing the the whole the, the the whole problem with gender swapping is is if it's a situation when someone needs to be male, like Artemis Fowl is a quintessential male because he's so egotistical. You kind of can't be female because females wouldn't be that egotistical. And and that may sound like really bad, but I'm really saying women aren't that bad. Like Holly Short, I can't imagine Holly Short as a man. I mean, like it'd yeah. be kind of cool to see like fan art of that, but that's it. I'd be interested to see how this character is taken because the problem with Trouble was that he too is egotistical and thought he had figured this whole thing out and uh, this is just a kid. This He doesn't know what he's doing. And... I think it's going to be like that character from the Transformers movie where she's like, uh, you, no, you, uh, which one? It was either two or three where like she, she kept like over, overtaking. Oh, it, the Nostalgia Critic talked about, and maybe not for the, the Transformers movie, but it's like, it's okay. She can look like, uh, she can, or I'm here so she can look like this. Like they kept like bobbling her head or whatever. You're thinking of Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. That was it. It's like, like that was, that's exactly it. Like this bossy woman, like, and the thing is, is it's, it's really hard for a woman to be in a, uh, a role like that and be egotistical without people's, Oh, she's just a bossy woman or like, and that's why like women, like, that's why I like Holly short. Cause She's a boss bitch, and she's not egotistical. She's like, I'm going to do this for the greater good. The greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to save people. I want to help people out. And the thing is, and like, I'm not saying a woman can be in, as intelligent as intelligent as Artemis Fowl because absolutely they can. I just the uh, the ego part of Artemis, which is really strange because the name, as I learned later on in life, Artemis came from a female. So. Even though there are other male Artemises in the world, it's just kind of interesting that like it's a female name. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to care a little less about because it's kind of a silly, stupid character, anyways. <laughs> well, eventually, trouble becomes very important. That character becomes more important than what they were because they were essentially that one character, um, the guy who fucks up the raid on the nakatomi building he that's the that's that character essentially exactly so um we've got to talk at this point i think we have to go into speculation and spoiler town i think again we can't really spoil anything because all we have to go on is a trailer but we also have intimate knowledge of the book that it is based on and and you've read up to at least the Eternity Code. Did I you read up ever to read five, six? I believe. Did so you I ever read the either. one where the the was the golems or the goblins like the one where like comes out of like the different dimension? No, I don't believe that one. Okay, that's that that's the weird turning point for me because after that they also had like a time travel. one. That's right, it got a time travel, and for me, time travel is always it's it's a slippery slope for me this, in a book the, series. This was absolutely. Uh, it, how they handled it was okay, um, but it was still, it was a very, you could tell he was like kind of losing steam with this whole concept, mm-hmm. and he ended it not much longer after that. So, Kenneth Branagh is taking this first movie, uh, but is... Oh, so, by the way, if, you don't, if you don't want anything else, we, we've been really good, because there's a lot that happens in this movie. And in the um, book, we haven't revealed how Artemis gets away with it. We haven't revealed a bunch of stuff, which I think is all very important. Um, if you haven't read the book, we highly recommend that you stop listening right now and go read it. It's a great I, I read, mean, great even, listen. Even if like you like were like I, I even just to reread it, I um I read it when I was a kid. Um, it's one of my favorite books. We actually uh, when we got married, we handed out books. Artem, I knew the first Artemis Fowl was going to be one of those books. I think because we each picked, what, four or five books? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was, Ar- Artemis Fowl was definitely near the top of my list, so. So, Kenneth Branagh is taking this concept. This concept, which, to be fair, has been kicked to around, be to be fair, has been kicked around Hollywood for over a decade at this point. Like, this is another one of those movies that almost never got made. They were talking about it as back as far back as, like, 
I think early this would have been better as an animated movie instead. Well, they made a graphic novel about it about 10 years ago. They did the a graphic novel. But yeah, I, I, I remember reading it. The character designs, like, Butler looked, Butler looked like one of the goons from Looney Tunes. Well, he was more mountain than man. They constantly say that there's, in the book. But there's a better way to show it than that. Like, he honestly looked like one of those uh, inverted triangles with, like, tiny, tiny hands. That's what, it, I, in my head, I know that's probably wrong, but that's so what it looked like So the stylization was what you didn't like. I was not crazy. Because I remember there was this really cool scene where uh, a thief tries to pickpocket him. And uh, Butler instantly feels it, grabs his hand and breaks it. And like when he does it, all I see is him like hulking around, but his arms don't look like they actually would reach his pockets. So just T-Rexing it around. <laughs> Me, Butler. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, it didn't look good. I don't even think we still have that anymore. I don't think we ever had the graphic novel. I, I definitely had it because I definitely read it. Um, I don't think I finished it though. I think I got to a point and was like, I don't like how they look. Because Artemis looked okay. He had this like weird like hair that came came back into a point. Um, and then Butler looked weird. I just remember that. So again, Kenneth Branagh is making a movie. <laughs> what? When? He is from the trailer combining elements from both the first and second movie. He's keeping the plot of the first where Artemis tries to steal the gold from the fairies, but introducing the concept of us knowing that his father is still alive and being held hostage from the second book, The Arctic Incident. He's cramming this whole thing down into 90 minutes. And we know that because he's combining these two books together, that there is an antagonist that we are not familiar with because it was not present in the book. Is the antagonist Opal? Uh yeah, I'm I'm I am fully I'm I'm fully in that boat because the way they're put, putting it out there, the fact that that he already knows about the fairy folk, um, the problem is is the books presented Opal as this kind of Steve Jobs, um, philanthropist helping the community with her inventions and science. She was she was good use of technology and. That's why her cannons are all over LEP headquarters, and that's why she has such access to things that normally businesses wouldn't have access to. And that's why it's such a devastating turn when you realize, oh, she actually is using all this for her own personal gain, and she's actually going to let tons of people die just to serve her purposes. Exactly. And I don't. I don't. She's the only. Like, she is the big bad that I can think of that. And she's actually incredibly intelligent, too. Mm -hmm. Like, See, like, that was... I, that's the first time Artemis gets silenced, because he literally cannot, like, how did I not see this coming? How did I not How know? did I not anticipate this, you know, 20 moves ahead move, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, she... Because she's introduced very early, and she's beaten very early, and you think that's the end of her, and then it continues, and she claws her way back up and becomes a bad again. Like, she yeah. can't just knock her down. Because they, like, they call on Artemis for help during, I think it's the Eternity Code, and then... Um, at in the Opal Deception, a lot of shit goes down. He thinks he has a handle on it, and but she was anticipating him, like because like she gets put in jail, and like she literally spends like what like two years or three just years just planning, just planning, just planning. She like she like um, I thought there was like time between, so I think maybe the Arctic incident was when she, so it might be the second book then that when all that goes down because I thought right. there was space in between, so the Eternity Code might be. In between that, then I might be thinking of something else. The another thing about it is that one, we've already said that Artemis's father had no idea that fairies existed. Two, in the Arctic incident, he was captured and he has been held prisoner for two years in Russia, right outside of Chernobyl, like dying in the cold. Like it's 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 hell up there. And Artemis begs the fairies to like help him save him they uh that's uh, that's it's the a arctic trade yeah. yeah the arctic incident he like, offers he... to help and in return for his help they go and help him rescue his father through a very uh elaborate uh pretty genius plan when they come to think about it it's it's only like the last chapter of the book but it's executed so perfectly that's like oh that's cool and then when he gets back he's like Artie, it's time to stop doing all this criminal stuff it's time to be on the side of good and arms is like uh, Okay, Dad, I'll I'll play along for now, but he's still like still scheming and still masterminding behind the scenes. So it's weird to say 
in this, no, actually, Artemis' father knew all the time about fairies, and he was helping them, and has been kidnapped by one of them, and it violates so many laws of the world as we know it that they would never have communication or contact, and Artemis is extremely different and odd and dangerous for doing it in a way that has never been done before. This is a crazy breach of security. And the thing is, too, is what they're suggesting with this, because what the books have presented even with the time travel episode, or t- episode <laughs> even with the time travel book, is that Artemis Fowl is hyper intelligent. He understands things on levels we can't conceive of. That he sees things 20, 30, 40, 50 moves ahead. The movie is ripping that to shreds. That I cannot. I cannot I cannot accept. I think you're right, Aaron, because you could do a lot of things to this story. You can update it with different technology. You can make it more of a war between humanity and, and elves. You can you can mess around with the concept of the story in general, but the important thing about Artemis Fowl is Artemis Fowl. And Artemis Fowl starts as the villain and is entirely in it for his own selfish desires. Oh yeah. Because he is 12 and because he lacks empathy of any kind and because he is so hyper-intelligent that he has left compassion behind. And the whole arc of his character is learning how compassion and intelligence are strongest when they're working together, not when one is browbeating the other. I, and then it's... And it's, now it's cruel it's, it's, to do it to a character which was a very different character than just the nice naivete of harry potter who was just a kid down this luck and eventually oh you're actually part of this giant secret world you had no idea existed and that's nice and that's a great way of escapism but there's something so much uh, um off kilter uh against the grain as to suggest that your main character is actually someone who knows exactly what they're getting into and chooses it and chooses crime and chooses money and has to learn how to grow He's an active participant in his story, and to make it where your father knew about this and he didn't want to show it to you until the time was ready, but actually you're part of a secret society that's been working with the elves since the beginning of time. It's there like, are other stories you can yeah, do that a- with. Don't force a square peg in a round hole. Artemis Fowl is not that fucking story. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's it's a coming of age story in a very different way. It's a coming of age story over seven or eight books. Yeah, and it's and it's his decision the entire way. It's always his decision to get into this shit. He's not being chessboarded around. He's not a character that's just being pushed by the whims of the screenwriter. He chooses to do this, and that's why his actions have real consequences. Exactly. Like, and I think what there's what they're probably the Schmizny Corporation is trying to say is that, oh no, we don't want the kids Couldn't to, have like, a hero we, as a bad guy. No, we can't do that to the kids. No. They wouldn't understand, clearly. Then why did you buy the pro- Oh, we want fairies and elves. Then make up your own fucking story. Do an original fucking story. Like, it doesn't have to have the name of Artemis, but we want the name Artemis Fell. No! Then do the, do the fucking story! Like, this is We've, not Artemis Fowl. I just feel like studios have learned this before uh, with Harry Potter and with Lord of the Rings. Companies have made cash grabs on easily recognizable properties before, and they have bombed because they have failed to capture the fan base that you were supposedly buying the property for in the first place because of name recognition. So with Harry Potter and with Lord of the Rings, um, audiences first and then eventually critics for Harry Potter realized that by sticking as closely as they could to the plots and characters and stories of the books that they were telling, that they would gather rabid fandom from the audience that was already familiar with it, and they would bring more people in on that. Lord of the Rings is praised because it so closely tries to follow Tolkien so well that by the time that the third movie comes out and Arwen's fate is tied to that of the ring, you don't go like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You're just like, okay, cool, (laughs) sure. Peter, we'll trust you. You've done this very good so far. Okay, sure, why not? <laughs> it's only years later that we realize that, oh, that's That was dumb. weird, and that was not there, and okay, but fine. It's, and that's why The Hobbits failed so badly. Take one book, stretch it out into three movies, which don't really focus on Bilbo, who was our main protagonist, but actually make it, and not even the dwarves, but make it about this big battle and humans and elves, and again, we're getting off topic. Yeah. But the idea is that, by failing to 
reach out and meet the fans of the book halfway by interpreting the main character correctly, they're kind of saying we don't really care. And if you don't care, why did you do it? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's tactless is what it is. You've got to understand your source material to enough to understand your fan base. Your fan base isn't going... I mean, are there people going to watch this? Absolutely. They're I'm sure they will. Going, it's a Disney movie. They're going to push it and market. Oh, but, well, we'll see. But the, the problem is, is uh, the freaking... Um, God, what... It, uh, I just said it earlier. <sighs> Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Wrinkle in Time did terrible. I know. And, and Wrinkle in Time wasn't... A, I mean... They yeah. tried really well with the visuals. They tried to symbolize it. I got it. I liked a lot of elements of it. But again, it kind of just, it, it had a, a weird flavor to it where it didn't really behave like you knew what the source material was and what you wanted to do with it. It was like, I like a little bit of this, but I don't like it enough to actually stay faithful to it. I just want to take some of the elements and build it off of that. It's It strikes me as, as safe and calculating. But it's not even that safe anymore because you're doing you're especially now. I mean, the problem is is they could have anticipated that, but it's not even that safe in calculating anymore because you're trying to anticipate what your audience is going to want. And when you have this come out right after you have not a bomb, but something that was critically an audience panned for the most part. I mean, the the movie looked fine. But the movie made no sense because unless you read the book, you didn't understand half of the things that were going on. And if you did read the books, you were like, this isn't what the books were like at all. And I had to go. I had to look at you at a couple of points. And be like, what the fuck is going on? You're like, it's probably this, but I don't know. And like <laughs> and like I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, I, I had to ask you, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and I've read the books. I've read the books twice. And it's just like. It doesn't make sense to me why they would do this to these properties. Why they're doing this to their own properties with the live action remakes. They're it it's they think that they're they're un, they understand their audience enough to do this and in reality they don't understand their audience at all. I think that Disney is really big on the um metatextual commentary in their most recent reimaginings of existent properties. We know that we dropped the ball this first time. Let's try to address that in story. In cases where you really didn't because it was already very good and you didn't have to pretend like you failed miserably the first time and have to address the problems. With Artemis Fowl, I feel like you could have had a really good story of choosing to do villainy and then overcoming that and learning that material gain is not the highest priority. I think you have a really Instead interesting you... child character who kids could probably coolly relate to because they have made decisions that have blown up on them in the past because they thought they knew what they were doing and when in reality they didn't. And I don't, what I don't understand is why they think this is the correct route because this is a great opportunity to do just that, what you just said. It, like, because Artemis Fowl isn't irre- irrehensible. He's actually a very likable character. He's just doing things. It's, it's, lawful, it's lawful evil is what it is. Uh, or at least lawful neutral at the, at the highest, lawful evil at the lowest. But he's doing this stuff because he thinks it's right. I mean, he treats... No, he doesn't. He doesn't think it's right. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> he's doing it as a means to an end. He, he treats Holly with respect. He treats her, you know, he gives her food. He, he respects her as a fairy. But he's not going to let her go. He's he's like, he's going to do what he needs to do. I never got respect out of Artemis towards Holly. He knew that he was in control and that made him, in the end, it was his downfall. He thought that he was so much smarter than her and that he knew everything there was to know. Yeah. And, and, and that, that was, was his downfall. That, exactly. That, the, the ego, pride go before the fall, you know. And that's, you're absolutely right. He He underestimated his opponent. And. He learned from that and didn't do that later on and as he turned towards, you know, more of the good side or not doing evil schemes and kidnapping people. <laughs> but that's what kickstarts this entire good series. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. You have this fantastic property. You have a pretty good director. 
And you're just going to screw it up by saying, oh, no, you're thrust into this world, not you chose it. That let let a someone who's I'm the next evil mastermind of the world. No, you're not. You're 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 not choosing to do this. And 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 it frustrates the shit out of me. Now again, trailers can be very misleading. We could get to the point where he is a criminal. He's been doing tons of other criminal things, and it's just the whole fairy world that he had no idea about. He was doing tons of other criminal activities, and this was one they just didn't realize. And he realizes, oh, I can't be a criminal anymore. I have to be good because all my father's apparent criminal activity was actually done in greater service to the world that I didn't realize. And see, I had said earlier that um, they, it looks like they're doing Butler right. I'm actually wrong. They're not doing Butler right because Butler had been serving him for a good chunk of his life, but it looks like Butler just kind of comes in after his dad gets kidnapped. Uh, it looks, it, I think Butler's been there the whole time. Again, hard to tell with a trailer. Yeah. Um, but I, and if I'm, I might be incorrect, but I thought Butler was hired the day Artemis was born. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Like their, their legacy is intertwined. The Butler family has been serving the Fowl family for eons. Yeah. And Butler himself like went through a bunch of different things and he's like, immensely uh talented and tactful and all this and he's he's a really cool character and i don't and 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 it's 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 race bending and i don't give a shit about that i think that's really cool that's a great opportunity to do that as long as the character's done right and and like he exactly i mean that's the thing like it's it's not the i like judy dench but i don't see her chomping a cigar getting beat red yelling at this officer who just won't listen to him i don't I know you never met him, but I always imagined Officer Root as my grandfather. <laughs> and it's and it, like. And I mean, again, it's not like I could have seen th- that would have been an opportunity to race bend to gender bend. I don't care. And, you know, people were throwing a fit whenever like Judy Dench was cast. Those are situations I don't care about. I care about when the story and the characters are handed correctly not who they're played by like sometimes i care about who they're played by if the casting is absolute garbage josh gad playing a human-sized dwarf when the dwarf is tiny in the books i mean if you can justify it you can justify well, it. well they didn't downsize holly short either she's not three feet tall she's artemis sized yeah because her and um mulch are supposed to be about the same size i think holly's a little bit taller than him Oh god, I am so pissed. <laughs> so this is our It's going to be interesting to come back to this when and if the movie comes out cuz it was delayed an entire year getting released this year and now it may not even come out when it's supposed to be released this year. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, How, we come back to it and be like, "Well, we were proven wrong or well, that was pretty generic." Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. How about that? Whether in what, regardless of what avenue it comes out in, but uh, you want to talk about our because these uh, fine people have waited this long. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so we had been talking for a while about doing a, a special sort of fan cast where we would watch episodes of something and talk about them as they happen, sort of a vlog sort of thing. And we didn't really know um, when we'd find time to. Watch it, record it, edit it. Well, we have tons of time now. So <laughs> all the time in the all world. All the time in the world. Uh, there so was time now. There was time. So we are gonna be starting a a new podcast, a Steven Universe fan cast, tentatively titled Keep Bitch City. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Keep Man, how did you just went blue. How dare you? Keep Beach City quarantined where we're going to watch five episodes of Steven Universe and then come on the podcast and talk about it. We're going to have it as a different podcast under Married to the Idea. I thought we were going to watch one and then record. Well, if we watch just one and record, the episodes for Steven Universe, are as well documented, are 10 to 15 minutes long. They're very, very short. And if we spend 15 minutes talking about a 15-minute show, I think I will eventually breakdown but the idea is that we'll watch a couple come on to the episode to talk about them and we will live stream them 
on the Marriage the Idea Facebook page so people can actually talk and comment with us while we talk about it. And you guys and any comments that you share during the live stream will be read during the actual recording of the podcast. So it's a way if you want to watch the episodes that we're going to watch that day and then sit down and be like, oh, yeah, I did like this one. Or what do you think about this character so far? Uh, Steven Universe is a somewhat familiar ground to us. We were watching it and then season two, we got to the end of it and then just stopped. I think it was because they didn't have any more episodes on Hulu or because we literally ran out of time to keep that show in our hearts. So we don't know anything about Pink Diamond or White Diamond or anything like yeah, that. We, we we know some things have been spoiled to us and we're going to try not to spoil anything for, you know, anyone that's going through the journey with us. Um, so we're going to kind of go with it with fresh eyes, fresh hearts, fresh minds, that kind of thing. Um, but we, I mean, we love Steven, Steven Universe. Uh, I remember when we first kind of started watching, it's like, you know, I've heard about the show. I don't really know. And I remember it's like about episode two or three. And it's like, I kind of like this. And we, we got hooked pretty uh, early on. Also, it's a very mellow show. They have a lot of good use of silence and sound and music. Oh, the music. Oh, the music. And there's a lot of uh, intrigue, but it never gets so uh, terrifying. Oh, the, season, the season one final song. Yeah. Oh, God. With uh, 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 Estelle. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this until like for the longest time. But Estelle one of the... was already a singer. <sighs> well, no. I, no, I knew Estelle. I, I've, I have one of her CDs or like I know of Estelle before the show. And she's and that's actually Rebecca Sugar. Actually, that's how she uh, uh, cast some of these people. Uh, so we're hopeful that it'll be a, a nice, mellow way to spend your time. We're going to be doing them in the afternoons, like after quote unquote work time. So you can still get your day going. And then if you want to wind down before dinner, uh, it'll be a good way for you to hang out with us and chat. Uh, and then we'll always as uh, we'll always. Uh, and then we will upload the episode in podcast form on its own podcast channel, Keep Beach City Quarantined. So <laughs> if you can't join us on the live stream, you'll still be able to listen. It should just be a really casual time. We, we are not going to get angry and violent like we do sometimes on Married to the Idea where we just hammer on a thing forever. At this point, we spent, an, I'm going to guess, Aaron, an hour hammering on something that we don't know anything about besides a two and a half minute trailer. Yeah, just about. But uh, this one will be a lot more chill, talking about uh, just the show and our thoughts on animation in general, and it should be a fun time. The uh, ever-changing landscape uh, of children's animation. Oh, absolutely. And there's so much content for Steven Universe, uh, and now's the perfect time, it seems, to catch up on it. I completely agree. So... Uh, thank you guys for sticking around, and uh, let us know what you think about the uh, the new setup. We uh, we were actually uh, helped by, a lot by uh, friends of the podcast, Sam and Paige, um, specifically Sam, uh, while we were down in Savannah, um, and we really are actually enjoying this new setup. It's a little easier, uh, easier on our backs, because we're not I like, like this. I'm not facing, like, usually I face the wall and then turn my head towards you, and it's hard to keep everything together, but this way feels pretty comfortable to me, and it probably should make it a lot easier to to talk casually as opposed to hearing lots of things humming and whirring and running around. This seemed to be pretty calm. Yeah, right now I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. I, I want to change just a couple more things, but uh, at the moment I'm pretty uh, solid in it myself. Too. If you want to check out our setup and take a look at it, you can consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Married to the Idea. Just $1 gets you access to tons of trailer reaction videos and other content. Yeah, some old trailer. We might do some more trailer reaction videos since, since we have time or maybe some other things uh, that we're going to look at doing uh, since we have time. Plus all patrons, all new patrons get a free sticker or button as long as the U.S. Postal System holds out. We'll still be sending them. I, I, I got to tell you, I went there today and they were super nice because uh, I accidentally had a package sent to the wrong address and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have the carriers uh, save it here and this and that. And they were super nice. And like. It was a hundred percent user error. I'm so sorry. They're, oh, don't worry about it. So, yeah, they were they were especially in this trying time. Is they were super nice. So, a lot of the people that I've talked to are super nice. So, uh, we hope that you're being super nice to others and yourselves, and remembering those who need our help most of all. 
And we hope that us doing this provides you a little bit of levity and escapism from what's going on in the world. And uh, I hope that um, everyone does stay safe and uh, takes care of yourself and those in your household. Um, you know, try to keep flattening the curve as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure when we're going to release this. We're probably going to try to record again here soon. Um, Our schedule for release might be a bit more sporadic as we go forward, but not because we don't have time, but rather we might just upload because there's nothing else to do that day. We might just sit down and record <laughs> something. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, we'll get back to a normal schedule as you know the world returns to a normal schedule, but but we'll be keep making episodes. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, stay safe out there, and we hope that everyone uh keeps everything. Um. Our, we're we're in this nice new setup, and our cats hate it <laughs> because the cats can't come bother us. They don't hate it so much as they know it's dinner time, and they want to know why we're behind this closed door. Yeah, they're so like, let's go ahead come. and get dinner going. All right. Well, um, thank you guys so much. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Flatten the curve. Uh, until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron, and, and we're, we're married, married to the idea. idea.